0: So here we are again on County Live. We haven't been together for a week. This is exciting for, for a while, actually. It's, uh, this is exciting. It's been, week. it's been longer than a week. A lot has happened. A lot has happened in football. A lot has happened to Stockport County. But in the meantime, while all that was happening, you spoke to Tom Bennett. Tom Bennett, who, of course, could make a great case for his partnership with Chris Marsden being the best midfield that County have ever had.
1: Yes, I mean, you're a Liverpool fan. Think Steven Gerrard, Xabi Alonso. That's yep. that's the only way I can. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, you know, those two very, very good players next to each other. Um, very cool fellow. He's in a band now as well with with Roger Wild. So he's got a lot to say. But at the same time, from a football perspective, he's certainly here on merit.
0: Absolutely. So let's not waste any time. Here is Chris's interview with Tom Bennett.
1: And all being well. There we are, Tom Bennett. Very good evening, sir. Welcome to Stockport County Live. How are you doing, young man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's um, We just had a very, very quick catch-up off air. It's been a bit of a crazy time lately, the uh, last few months, the, the whole corona situation. How have, you, uh, how have you been managing?
2: Yeah, well, it's been difficult. I think we've done okay. Work-wise, uh, for well, five months I was furloughed, so back at work last week and hopefully business picks up and everybody's safe and we get back to normality or whatever's going to be normality over the next probably six months to a year I would imagine before we get back to anything like before, I would have thought.
1: And what is it, what is it that you do nowadays? What What is work for you?
2: So I'm a commercial account manager for office furniture, which basically means I'm pretty much an area of sales manager, but I look after certain accounts. So I travel UK, Europe, looking after, you know, Jaguar Land Rover, HSBC, Unilever. Various different accounts that we supply furniture to. Um office furniture. Yeah. That's pretty much sums it up. Nothing further for fun. Yeah, nothing fancy. You you're
1: not dra- you, you're not driving around with Chris Marsden sitting next to you, are you? <laughs> is it a bit of a change of scenery
2: yeah no that was a good time good time no, Um, yeah that was a good time mm. but god I'm just thinking it's got to be 20 years ago easy easy what 25 20, yeah
1: long time I bet, I bet it feels like a, a, a different world completely because I mean the, the, the line of work you're in now compared to the line of work 20 years ago they, they're, they're different sceneries
2: yeah no they are but I mean ultimately I'm still involved in the team you're still involved in an organisational structure that you've got to adhere to. You've got um, a lot of similarities in in, in the, the job I'm doing now to to football. Other than the fact that obviously there's a far more creative aspect to the football side of it, but from a business perspective, you have to use your brain in a creative way as well. You've got it's building relationships like football. Um, and it's getting things across the line, which is exactly the same as, as, as football, you know. So there are a lot of similarities.
1: I guess. I guess usually we, we kind of start these interviews and start these conversations with how did you first hear about county or how did you get into football? But I guess, seeing as we're on the topic of work, it's, it's it's probably a bit bit wiser to start at the end. How did it feel when you when you made the transition? Did Did you know that you had a job to go to when you stopped playing football, or or how 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 did the whole thing play out?
2: So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I didn't know that I was going into to this line of work, however long it was going to last. That so that was that certainly wasn't something I, I would know. But I was finishing up at uh, Hamilton, and uh, a friend of mine asked me to go up and just see how I got on. but she was fine with me. It was thirty six. We were looking to go back to Scotland anyway, as as a family, so it sort of made sense. Um, so I signed for Hamilton at the same time. Um, a neighbour of mine, literally lives next door, who still lives next door, and we've moved and he's moved, but we're still next door. So we're still good mates. He, he worked for for the company I work for now, and he had met the owner of the business. It's a family run business. I'd met the owner of the business when we played uh, Blackburn Rovers back in the day in the in the Coca Cola Cup, I think it was. And I met him after the game and we just had a brief chat, but I was still playing, obviously. And then he must have remembered the conversation. And a friend of mine sort of mentioned it again, said I was retiring. So they asked me in and basically said, Look, do you want, do you want the job? It's just going to be a sort of account manager role. See we go. And, and if, as far as I was concerned, I had no plans on doing anything like that at all. But at the same time, I thought, well, it's an easy it was an easy end because I was only playing for Hamilton on the, travelling up on the Friday, playing on the Saturday and then i basically the, the week to, to myself. So that's what I did. I started working Monday to Friday and then travelling up and playing for Hamilton on the Saturday and it worked fine for about two or three months but I then I had, a, I had a, my cartilage in my left knee went um, which was my bad knee if you will because I had a had an ACL that had lasted me 16, 17 years. So I was pleased with getting through it, but it, it just felt right to stop playing. So yeah. I, had, I had three months doing both. And then in the end, I just, I decided to call it a day. It just seemed, just seemed like the right time. And then I carried on working and I've not stopped. I've moved, I've moved job roles, but I've stayed with the same company for the last 14 years. Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, when, when that time when, when that time was impressive I've never stayed with a company that long but um, when, when, when you were coming towards the, the end <laughs> when you were coming towards the end of the, the playing career um, obviously the, the first thought I guess or maybe a common thought that goes through a lot of players minds is how can I stay in the game yeah, punditry yeah. Co- coaching, management scouting, uh, yeah. ambassador roles, yeah. physios whatever it might be did that, did that train of thought ever go through through your mind?
2: Yeah, of course, because you don't know anything else. You know, you, as you said before, you alluded to the fact that this, most footballers have been doing this since, you know, five, six, seven years of age. So when you, you come to the natural conclusion, it is to stay in the game. Um, I had a, a two-year, two-and-a-half-year spell at Boston United, which was doing a lot of travelling and i sort of lost i lost the love of the game if that makes sense it just didn't feel as if i was wanting to stay in the game um so i actually came out of the game for about a year completely just you know just watched on the tv but i never i never thought about getting back into it but i'd already done my uh my my second coaching license my b license i'd already got that and then a friend of mine who was also a coach at Wolves and Aston Villa, Bobby Downs was the, he was the, uh, academy director at uh, Blackburn Rovers and I live in Charlotte it's 20 minutes down the road. Uh, so I went in and so I still do the coaching now that's 14 years on and I still do Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. So I've been doing that only no. part time. It just sort of marries in with the, with the work, you know, and, and the, the sort of lifestyle that you want. So I've never, never really wanted to do it full time because it's precarious and, um, never really went down that road of putting all those eggs into that basket. Um, I'm not sure why, to be honest, you know, because when you're, you're doing the coaching, like I do with the sixteens now, I really enjoy it. You know, I, 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 it's good to see the lads getting something from it. Some of them have kicked on playing in the first teams. Some of them have obviously gone other places. And some of them, you know, don't make it at all. So it's, and it's interesting to see over the years who comes through, who doesn't come through or who you thought might have came through and obviously fell at the wayside. Um, but I, I do enjoy it and do enjoy it
1: still. Do you, do you think that, that that love for football will just always kind of propel? Like you say, it's what you've done since you were five years old. It's It's there within you. And I mean, you talk about career highs. I know you had success at other clubs as well, but obviously being the County show, we're, we're going to focus on them in particular. Such highs. I mean, there's such memorable nights and stuff. That love for football is is probably always going to be there somewhere kicking around, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. It just changes. It's weird. It just changes. You, you, your thought processes change from, you know, the the anxiety sometimes going to playing in these big games that you're leading into and the different kinds of feel, feelings that you have going into it to now you just have a very nice memory of them and it's it's a nice feeling to feel uh in a good way about these games you don't feel as if there's no animal no anxiety in those games you know sometimes it's it's it can be quite it can be quite emotional um playing in those games leading up to those games and now 14 15 20 years on obviously you just you have, a, you have a very nice connection with with those games. But it's also important that most footballers go through some, you know, the bad times. I went through them myself and I know a lot of players go through bad times. Um, but you don't remember them as much, you know, you
1: don't remember them as much. Mm-hmm. Now, talk, talking of bad times, they're, they're obviously the, the main bad time I remember for Tom Bennett was obviously the, the leg break. And we've spoken since then, um, I don't know if you remember, but I, I remember one night in particular where several ales had been had been <laughs> had been drunk, and um, I seem to remember you you and Roger Wild um, playing a gig down in Stockport. Now, the the, the, the bad times. We'll get onto the why that gig happened and how those gigs came about. But the bad time, which was your leg break, if I'm not mistaken, actually led to you being in a band, didn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It started as a laugh, really, Roger. Um... Oh, I've got a low battery in my phone, so I've got it recording. Roger was um, was the physio at Stockport Point. He wanted to. I think we always wanted to be a rock and roll star, as Roger, So fair enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, let, let's learn to play the guitar. So that's basically what we did. We started to le- learn to play the guitar just for a laugh, and that sort of snowballed to let's have a goal, let's have something to aim for um and so we slowly got around to getting one or two members i think we put it in a program at stockport and we got two or three guys a drummer and we got a you know a a, a guitarist anybody that would make us look good that was the bottom line you know um because we were we were pretty hopeless and we we toyed around with you know different singers and stuff like that. i think i ended up being the single well, i know i did end up being one of the singers which is just ridiculous to think about. But um, yeah, we had a good time, and we've probably done it about 15 years all, all in. When I think about the times and the years that we did it, you know, it was, it was a long time, it was, it was a good time. And um, yeah, I spoke to Roger, Not I think it was yesterday, two, not, not on the phone, I got him on WhatsApp and we were having a chat, and he wants to put the band back together, I went, Roger, you're 65, you must be 65. I said, we're not the Rolling Stones, you know. <laughs>
1: So so let me get this straight. The band Fracture, featuring Tom Bennett and Roger Wilde. We have a couple of bands who are who are doing bits and pieces in Stop at the moment. Um, we've yeah. got the Dutch Uncles and we've got Blossoms, of course, who are who are going all over the world and doing what they're doing. Yeah. If if fracture reunite, obviously it blows those two guys out of the water, maybe they can support you at Esley Park.
2: Well, you know, I tell you what, I'll be willing to support the Blossoms at Esley Park. That's, that's nailed on. If that's what they want, I won't even charge <laughs> them. We we'll do it for free. We wouldn't even charge. Them.
1: <laughs> let me get let me get their agent on the phone. I'll do that right now. There you go. But uh,
2: there's, a, there's it, a gig lined up for you. Sell the tickets without even just mention us on undercard and fracture <laughs> because we just fly out the door.
1: Oh, uh, it, it'd be something. I tell you what. Uh, funnily enough, we, we mentioned your old pal Chris Marsden um, at the top of the show. There, we had Chris on. This very same show uh, a month or so back, and he was referring to Roger wanting to be a rock star as well. Was this well known in Stockport County that Roger Wild was a physio slash footballer slash potential? I don't know, Axel Rose maybe.
2: Yeah, he's it shy and retiring as Roger. Very shy and very retiring. <laughs> no,
1: uh, he's not. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, no. <laughs> it was a natural progression, once it a natural progression for Roger from being a footballer to being a rock star, and he's just. He was always just finding a way to get in today. and I think he saw my leg break as the, as the natural way in, and the name of the band just <laughs> yeah let's go on. leg break fracture yeah let's do that. So, but I, we're not, I've but got to say,
1: gone. I've got I've got to say he's the only physio, and I've worked in a lot of football grounds over the years as as you have as well. He's the only physio I've ever heard that has a staple song from the terraces that comes out every time he comes onto the pitch. I've never seen a physio like that anywhere else.
2: No, but yeah, that, I mean, I would agree with you. And I think that's probably down to the fact that he did have a uh, a fantastic playing career, you know, and I think if you look at the clubs he was at, I think Sheffield Wednesday, Oldham, mm. um, and obviously Stockport. If you look at those, those teams when he plays, I think that's where it starts from. It starts from those clubs sort of recognising who he was because he's got the hair and and he still looks after himself, so I think it starts from there, and then before you know it, other clubs take it on. You know, and it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to see. If I was, if I was Roger, it'd be a great thing because obviously he's, he's well recognised as, as, as a player that that done well for those clubs. You know.
1: Let's let's talk about your playing career then, because you you played quite well for Stockport County. I think it's fair to say. I mean remembered uh, in an all-time 11 just a few weeks ago as as the club put it out on the social channels you look back at your time at, at Stockport County and that team i mean the 96 97 team at Stockport County i i think will be remembered as as possibly the, the greatest team that county've ever had it's, it's certainly currently that and there's a long way to go if any team is going to beat it um, does it how does it make you feel knowing that that you were a staple part of that. You were one of the first names on the team sheet every week. Tom Bennett and Chris Marsden. You two are the guys in the middle.
2: Yeah, well, I think we, you know we were lucky. The, the manager. You look back in it, and it, it wasn't rocket science in terms of how he wanted to play. He wanted to play football. <laughs> he wanted the spine of his team to be strong, and he wanted, um, you know, a big lad up front, and he wanted some some legs around him. So he. The, the difficult part, or the genius, whatever you want to call it, the luck, whatever you want to call it, bit of all of that, I suppose, is is getting the the right players to be able to do that. And then once you get the right players, the right blend, the right mix, then you see where it takes you. And, and I think those those years, certainly with, with Chris and there we just complemented each other. There was no egos in that side. Um, from a midfielder's point of view, nobody tried to do it more than... Their job, if you will, you know we want, you know we want Maradonas. We were, we were good, good players punching above the weight of the, of the level, but we knew we were better than the level or as good as the level when we went into the championship, and we, we 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 went under the radar a little bit, you know, because I think we were players as well that had been sort of discarded as well from bigger clubs, and I know Chris was playing in the third team at knox county at one point and now obviously came on from wolves um and you looked right through that team picked up brett from sunderland i think or whatever it's, you know alan from newcastle was a kid so alan armstrong so you see that though all those players had something to prove and i think the genius of it was that he, he put them in together left-footed midfielder and chris i was right side he would play similar Um, and big Brett Angel up front was flicking on for Alan Armstrong with the legs. And and we we didn't try to complicate it. We didn't try to to be better than what we thought we were. And I think momentum kept going as well. When you start getting the momentum and you're winning games and you're winning games, you're winning games, the momentum grows. And before you know it, you go into the park believing you're going to win every game. I think we started that season, the season we went up really Poor. We, I think we were. Yeah. We're Ten points off the top
1: at one point. You know, it was ridiculous. After about six. It's days. um. It's a common theme. What what you're saying there is a common theme. A from the, the players that we've had on the show that played in that team, and we've had a few now. Sean Connolly's been on. Uh, Mike Flynn, Tony Dinning, Chris Marsden, uh, Brett Angel Allen Armstrong. You know, the, the, they're all saying the similar thing. You just kind of felt like. Without wanting to sound big headed about it or or whatever, you just knew you were going to, you just felt like you were going to win every game. You went out there, no reason to believe you weren't going to win. And then you touched on something else that that Brett Angel spoke about. And Brett, because Brett had been at at County on two occasions and he knew the club well and he knew Dave Jones, but then he knew the manager previous in Danny and, and, you know, the kind of thinking and thought process there. Yeah. Brett alluded to to this mindset from Dave Jones and the players that he wanted players that tasted. The big the big time, if you like, the bigger clubs, the, the, you mentioned Wolves there, you mentioned Everton, Newcastle, so on and so forth. Yeah. He wanted players that tasted that, who then had left those clubs for whatever reason, but had the hunger and the talent to maybe get back. And then Dave sees them as, if you can gel together, then maybe you can get that move back up there, or maybe you can take Stockport there. But he wanted that kind of, and maybe, maybe pedigree is the right word. You, you know, you've, you've been there and you've got that experience.
2: Do you know what so that's a good way of looking at and and i don't i don't disagree with with that at all because when you mention it to me i'm thinking well playing in front of the crowd at stockport didn't phase most of us at all you know as much as it's, yes. you get, you get a, a great crowd at county on the better days and you were still only getting 10,000 there so you were you were getting a fantastic atmosphere but you it wasn't 40,000 30,000 and if you look at Obviously, Brett playing for Everton in front of that kind of atmosphere, uh, myself at Wolves, um, and and you, you don't get phased by the crowd. So when you then go and play against you know your Blackburn, your West Ham's, and and, and teams like that in, in the cup competitions, you don't you don't get phased by it because you've got that experience. And it's, it's it's probably very true that he looked at players that were better than the division to get them out of the division. And if you look at the, the, the Wolves team that he, he put together when he left uh, Stockport and went to Wolves, very similar, but with better players. Um, no disrespect to the lads at Stockport, we, were all, we all knew where we were and we all knew our limitations. And I think he went back to Wolves and he, and he just went four four two pace 2 paced down the wing, two midfielders that could get stuck in. And um, I think it was uh, Colin Cameron and Alex Ray. So very similar. Very similar sort of mm-hmm. blueprint, if you will, to to try and get that success, and and he did. He got he got Wolves into the Premier League for the first time in twenty five years, I think, twenty years. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's 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 a good way of looking at it. And I think Brett's probably hit it on the head. He, he got experience and that could cope with the level, and and knew they were better than the level and wanted that hunger to get back.
1: Now, as a fan through those years, I mean, it was obviously made. Uh, quite a bit easy with the success. But as a fan looking in, it looked like it was one of the, the most fun dressing rooms and environments that a player could be. And you see the pictures even now, you know, you start doing your research for these interviews, you go back and you find yourself looking at oh, pictures and videos and stuff. And it looks like a very, very fun place. What was it like in the dressing room in those days?
2: I really, we, had, we had our times. There were some feisty times in the dressing room in terms of behind closed doors. If things weren't um things weren't going well um things were said in the dressing room there's no two ways about it but i think that's that's healthy that's it's needed you know you can't have you can't have it all happy happy smiley people that are just happy to get on with it you know you you want winners and we had that but we also mm-hmm. had we also had some good good times with some of the lads because we all knew that none of us were bigger than than who we were you know there was like i said there was no ego, So you, You know, Toddie, Life and Soul, and you got you got like Chrissy Marsden was there with um, Shane Nicholson was there. You you know Kevin Cooper. You had all these lads that were all good lads, you know, and they all came in together and they all went away together. And we all sort of had a few beers together sometimes. Some of us not, you know, because of where we lived and what have you. But it was um, it was it was one of the better dressing rooms, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, your old teammate, Jim Jim Gannon, county manager currently, won the league a couple of years ago, uh, took county to Wembley on a successful trip to Wembley for the first time in the club's history uh, in another spell at the club. Very highly regarded as a young manager, very highly regarded in what he's done at county and the way that he's brought through so many young players who've gone on to play in the Premier League and the Championship and the SPL. He's, he's, he's revered as some kind of Tactical genius, I think, by by myself and many other county fans. When you look at Jim's career, and you knew him as a player. You knew him better than anyone before. You know, social media was a thing, and we could just have access yeah. to people and speak to people the way we do now. Does it surprise you in any way, or, 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 or is it more expected? I, I don't know. When you see the success Jim has had, did did you see him as a future culture or a manager when you played alongside him?
2: Yeah, well, yes and no. I think if you'd asked at <coughs> the time, you see these certain players as coaches, then he'd be one of those players that I'd go, yes, I can see it um, because of his intensity. He was very, he's a very intense man. Even, you know, you get him on one on one, Jim's as nice as pie, very, but he'll, he'll want to talk to you. He'll want to understand things and, and, and he'll, he'll go through things with you. And once he's got that understanding, then he accepts it and, and go, when you, when you get Jim in the environment of a team environment, it can be very harsh, very aggressive. Um, and, speaks his mind so from that point of view i i saw someone who if he went into coaching would be very determined very single-minded and have a a clear idea of where he wanted to go with with a with team so when i've seen him i've seen some of his games some of his styles he played stop and motherwell and he's at motherwell and Done his team plays football, he wants to play football. You can see that you can clearly see that you know from a from a a style of play, he wants to play, um, which is sometimes very difficult to do when you go lower down. When you go lower down, it tends to be a bit old school, a bit kick and rush. Um, but mm if you have the right players and you play the right way you can play yourself out of any level but you have to have the right players to do it and um, I haven't seen enough of Stockport over the couple of years to turn around and say you know the style of play is is, is how I'd, I'd, I'd like it to be but certainly I know Jim's style over the years and I know he's highly regarded uh, in, in Scotland when he was there uh, in terms of how he wanted to play and how he did set up his teams so um, looking back did I think he would go into coaching I wouldn't say anybody would have went into coaching some 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 stand out Jim didn't stand out but at the same time I can see why he's done well because of his single-mindedness
1: now there's I'm, I'm keeping one eye on the clock say again did that answer your question? It did, it did, in great detail, Tom. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm keeping one eye on the clock and I'm conscious that I said, oh, it's just a 20-minute chat and we've, we've strayed over already. But there's two games, Robert. before I let you go to that, Tom, there's two games in particular that I want to speak to you about. Um, there's one game in particular uh, that was Chesterfield away and it was just th- the pinnacle on that season. You know, the, the promotion comes in, the celebrations around the pitch. We go 1-0 up and then, Paul Jones has to make a number of saves and we held on to that win and and it's and football's come home, if you like. Um, yeah. If you can just recall any memories from that afternoon slash evening um, slash maybe late, early hours of the morning, maybe. What, what was it like being a player for Stockport County on that day?
2: Well, it was weird because it was a culmination of that whole season, wasn't it? And it was... It was a, there was a feeling of, of inevitability coming into it. I was, It is a very memorable game for me for, for a number of reasons. One, it was the second last game of the season. And we if we won, we were up. If we didn't win, we'd gone into the last game of the season, which was against Luton, away. And it was between us and Luton to then go up. So there was, it was a huge. There was more than just that game on it. You know, it was weird. It was. It was. We always knew that was a, a a big, big game, if you will. And it was a. I might be wrong with the day, but I, in my head, it was a wet Tuesday night. You know, a wet Tuesday night in Chesterfield, and Brett scored. I don't. I can't even tell you. Was it fifteen minutes in? It was. I know it was in the first half, and he scored. And I knew it was a header. Mm-hmm, quite early on, yeah quite early on. And once that goal goes in, it settled everybody, but then it didn't, it then became more nervous and more nervous and more nervous. And I actually twisted my ankle about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes before the end, maybe. And I had to come off. I literally couldn't go on. And I came off and normally sometimes when you come off, you because it's pressure, it's building up and what have you. Normally when you come off, you go, well, that's me. I've done my job. I can't do any more. The pressure just stayed. It stayed there because you're, you're sitting there watching this game unfold. You can't do anything about it. The last five, ten minutes, and then I remember. Well, and again, I might be wrong in this. It felt like there was about fifteen minutes injury time. In reality, <laughs> it was probably in reality there was probably about five or six. There was, but there was a huge amount of injuries. I always remember that, and I don't think it was because of my ankle. I was only off a couple of minutes, but um, and then the final whistle goes, and it's. Yeah, but yeah, you know, we've done it. Um, the ankle's better. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, I, listen, I did play against Luton on the Saturday, strapped up. It was painful, but uh, yeah, I did play. But um, relief probably as much as anything, you know. I think probably most players would see you know, after that season and what we'd achieved that, just for that single season. When you look back on your career, you go, wow, you know, that was... That was sixty-five games of, you know, a lot of ups, a lot of ups, and not many downs, you know. And really,
1: Sean Connolly. Should have won the league. Oh, of course, have won it as well. Of
2: course. Yeah, we
1: should have won the league. Sean Connolly was one of the uh, the first guests we had on on this um, feature through the summer, and I asked him about yeah. that game, and he said his biggest, one of his biggest regrets in football, was that he didn't go on the team coach home that night. He got a he got a lift home with one of the other lads. They stopped to have a quiet pint somewhere on the way back and that, that was it. And he says yeah. he just so 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 for the story Sean couldn't tell us, what, what I, do you I remember no from idea.
2: that little try home? Genuine, I, honestly, I can't remember. I can't remember. It's, there is there is there's definitely a couple of beers drunk, but there's also um again it comes with experience. You better remember that some of the players were young, but most of the players were experienced players, and I think there's a huge amount of relief involved there's a huge amount of satisfaction as well and quiet contemplation maybe you know that, that you know we want we want rock and roll stars we're not we want a group of players that just wanted to go and smash up a, a nightclub or do anything like that we were you know if you well you look at jim jim you know, gannon there is jim gannon as a player you know he's methodical he's he, you know he's single-minded and he's he's the same way as he was when he played and you know, Flinnie was the same. You know, experienced players, Brett Angel, experienced. So the younger lads were having a few beers at the back of the bus, but most of us were just, you know, just pleased, I suppose, with a job well done. Um, so I couldn't. I'd love to turn around and say there was a lot of rock and roll going on and whatever you, but there wasn't.
1: <laughs> you're not. You're not a team of Roger Wiles, are you? You're not, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're not throwing t- TVs off this the coach or anything.
2: Roger would have been asleep anyway. it had been way past his bed.
1: <laughs> um, the the other game I've got to ask you, and listen, I mean, we could go on all night and I could ask you about the Southampton game and the Blackburn game and, you know, Everton and this and that and, and everything else. But the game I want to ask you about is a Port Vale game because you scored a goal in front of the cheatland that... Was recently, you know, there's, there's fan polls all the time. We have now Twitter and Facebook and everything else. And one of the greatest team goals that Stockport County have ever scored was put in the back of the net by Tom Bennett, where Kevin Cooper has won the ball back from a Mike Flynn clearance. He's knocked it to Alan Armstrong, who's done a nice little one two off Tom Bennett through Brett Angel. Um, the ball's come down the left hand side. It's coming in at a nice little turn. Tom Bennett stuck it in the corner. We're well, going back a little while. But it is such a memorable classic goal. Do you recall it at all? You're looking at me like maybe you don't.
2: I do know I do know the goal. I do know the goal. And I do know it was both one of the best goals, team goals scored for Stockport. Um and I didn't score many goals as you know my career will play out. I didn't score many goals at all in my career. But um I do remember, I do remember the goal, but I wouldn't say at the time it was something that I thought as would be an iconic goal, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Purely because I just had the last little bit, if that makes sense. It's not until you look back at it and you go, "Wow, what a, you know, what a well, what goal!" And, and testament to us probably as a side at that time that we could produce that kind of goal. The fact that I was at the other end to, to finish it off is great for me. But in terms of the actual goal itself, it's, it's quite, it's quite nice to see that from a from a team perspective from our team perspective to be able to produce something like that at that level um mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately it's, it is all about levels you know we could all score the one the goal in the sunday league and, and you know on the park pitches but to to play Not at all a, of a good level well
1: you know most of us <laughs> uh, I, do, I have um, a moment you, at power league every now and again
2: <laughs> yeah 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 but you do you, you, know, you can you can score good goals anywhere but to score it in that sort of setting and, and know that it's recognised for what it is and what it was yeah which was a great team goal um that's that's nice to be recognised but in terms from my point of view from a memory it's it's a goal I scored rather than what a great goal that was to to replay mm. you know and, and and go over um which, right or wrong it's just the way it is you know i think i scored a goal against blackpool which for all it was in my view personally i felt that was my best goal ever even though it wouldn't even recognize on a on a stockport county fan board if that makes sense it was just Mm. how it felt time when it came to me what i did and how it ended up in the back of the net and you go for me that was personally you know a great goal but that's only from my perception the perception from a fans point of view is the 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 team which is right which is right and, yeah. and it's the way it should be
1: well just just finally tom let me let, let me leave you on, on this question when when someone says Stockport County to you now what 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 memories what what kind of feeling do you get inside because you, you're well traveled in the game of football you've got a lot of experience under your belt but Stockport County what does it mean to you when you hear it? Oh, God you
2: can't I, I couldn't sum that up in a, in a, in a sense really you know I mean I had a fant- I was there five years in truth I had four fantastic years and then I could break that floor down and, and not just football you know because of the break of the leg but in that break there's the, something else occurred with it with the with the relationship and the friendship I, I got with you know with Roger and the band and other people that from the from the ground actually got involved with so I had a year where it wasn't really about football for me it was about something else um mm. and then you've got the the actual games that you played in the, 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 the playing in the championship first time against city you've got you've got so much built into that five years that you couldn't I couldn't just go oh, what or oh, what a fantastic experience that'd be the easiest thing to say you know it was a it was a fantastic experience but that would in some ways for me in terms of the memories that I have doesn't do it justice. It doesn't do it doesn't do the that time, that time frame for for a lot of people. You know, a lot of Stockport fans it doesn't do that time frame justice. Um for me when playing against wolves, you know, kept being the captain at Esley Park against Wolves, it's memory after memory after memory after memory. It would stay with you. You know, I don't have I yeah. don't have to really go back into the memory banks to to, to to bring them forward they're all they're always there they're always at the front and if someone jogs my memory i put veil goal then it's it's there it takes a little time but most of the time i can tell you something about each of the years you know and each of the some things that happened and some things that we did and um yeah so I, I couldn't do it justice by summing it up for one sentence but it was a great time in my life you know um, that's for sure
1: and when the corona's gone can we get you down for a game tom yeah
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> I, keep, I keep getting asked to go down and because of work and because of Blackburn, because the, the biggest problem for me is we're, we're working at blackburn with, is on a saturday so um it's, yeah it's always it's always been difficult you know um with what but at the same time sometimes we'll play um you know we might have manchester united at carrington in the morning so that would be a good time
1: if we could tie up at Hesley Park in the afternoon that would work well I've been absolute dream. Tom it's been such an honour to have you on tonight and uh yeah hopefully we can get to get to see you at one of those games in the near future yeah no problem Chris appreciate it thanks for the call
0: well you, you were right about that Chris he is Mr Cool he's Joe Cool on campus <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'd like to say you know I'd like to look as good at, uh, at his age but I'm actually probably older so <laughs> i can't say that but yeah what a I, lovely wish, guy. I, wish
1: I, I wish i looked that good now yeah. i wish i looked that good now absolutely we're approaching man crush territory yeah i think so i I, th- I mean i didn't have the um i didn't have the stones to tell him but um many many moons ago um when we were filming for the music factor uh roger wilde and tom bennett played at the bungalow and um, one of the bands that were on after them um, said, oh, Rid- Ridgeway, Chris Ridgeway plays guitar, get him on stage. So Roger Wilde insisted that I came and joined them and we did a cover of Don't Look we'll Back in Anger. And I, I just came away thinking, I was too drunk for the evening, really. I shouldn't have been on there. But I, I couldn't help but think Tom Bennett wasn't happy that I'd, <laughs> I came <laughs> Grab the set. But um, yeah, no, a lovely fella. And, um, yeah, was, like it like, say,
0: was it like that bit in um, Back to the Future? when he plays the guitar, but then he starts to fade away because the photo's fading and he starts playing it really badly. Was it like that?
1: Um, If if he was playing it badly, then yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, but,
0: but, you know, in all seriousness, cool guy, but what a great player. And and as we said before, part of, you know, an absolutely seminal and absolutely key midfield for Stockport County.
1: Yeah, and... um, I always love hearing the perspective of players like Tom because he was there on that famous night in Chesterfield when they've, you know, when they've won promotion. They know that this is going down in history, right? This is, this is. I mean, here we are, what twenty odd years later, and we're still talking about it. And and in another twenty years, we're probably still going to be talking about it. It's, it's that kind of night. So it's always good to hear how how the players reacted that night. And and it was interesting to hear him say that. They, you know, they were calm about it because it was job done. You know, all right, they're having a few beers and and, and whatever. But it's they they just felt accomplished more than anything else. Like they they believed in themselves, whatever. It, it's still still a little bit bitter in him that they, they didn't get to the league title because they were good enough to win the league, but with the cup runs uh, and everything else, it was just too many games. Um, But you know, it, listen, it's a, it's a great story, and then and then obviously the. The other part, which is tinged with a bit of sadness, I guess, is um, hearing about how you know he's another player like Liam Dickinson the other week, who has the world at his feet. He's going places, and then this horrible injury just comes in, and he's all of a sudden got this this monster leg break to deal with. Um, and and you know the, how the, how the mental side of that was affected, and then how Roger Wild, again county legend, has helped him out by. Telling him to pick up the guitar, and then again, twenty years later, they're in a band together. It's it's madness, and it's interesting, and it's it's just fascinating. It's an insight into into a professional footballer's life that goes beyond the ninety minutes of kicking a ball around. And and all right, you do it well, but there is so many more layers to it. Uh,
0: and that's right, and that's what I think. That's what this whole summer, this whole thing for us has shown that you know we've had player after player after player, but they've all got a different perspective. Everybody, you know, has been to other clubs, everybody's had a different experience, everybody's career has ended in a different way. Um, but they all they all love the club and they've all had a different experience. So it's it's been great to hear from Tom as well. Yeah, that silky
1: Scottish accent. Do you know what? Hear me out. Hear me out. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Tom Bennett for James Bond.
0: <laughs> well, my I I you know, you go back to the original to the original yeah yeah you know go back to well, the Scottish James Bond you know yeah I, was, it, I, was he not Bond. 90 the other day um Sean Connery but yeah I think the best ever James Bond um was Pierce Brosnan and he's Irish so it takes an Irishman to be the greatest James Bond
1: well don't listen, at me you you and I you and I aren't going to get the role so it's got to go to somebody so why not put Tom Bennett forward and do you know what he's He's offered his services to support Blossoms at Edgley Park, which is good of him. Um, why not get him, double bill, James Bond, Die Another Day or whatever the next film's going to be called? Well, I'm sure, you know, with all your contacts,
0: you'd be a great agent. <laughs> <laughs> travel travel agent. Wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on on that note, talking of uh, Edgley Park, um, did the influx of players uh, keep... Keeps happening they they keep you know the owners are true to their word they're giving um jim not you wouldn't say free reign but they're giving him an open market to to go to and have a look and and find the players that he wants and it's so interesting now we were just discussing before we came came live that you could put a almost an 11 from last season against a new 11 on the pitch with 22 players to be a really interesting training match
1: yeah, yeah, you, you you're not far from it. I think I think obviously the, the two new left backs, uh two new left backs indicates that you know there's that, that that was a bit of a problem area last season. Um and the number 10 role has obviously been vacated by um by Elliot Osborne and James uh, and Connor Jennings has come in. So other than that, yeah, you I mean you you could stick with the same sort of eight and nine other players. Or you could just completely kibosh that and 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 go with a whole new string. It's it's unbelievable, really. But um county fans, us included, have been saying for years if somebody comes along and buys this club and you know they've got a bit of back in and they've got a bit of business sense and blah, 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 then they could turn it into a, into a great thing because it really is a sleeping giant. And now we are seeing that. Play out. We are seeing it happen. Um, I think it's it's so good that somebody has come in and just do, and done this because they've. We could have had a takeover where someone's come in and just kept things going on, and that'd be fine. And listen, we wouldn't have complained. We, we'd we'd have chugged along, and you know, with Jim at the wheel, I think we would have got out of non-league football this season or next. You know, it would have carried on going, and we would have had exciting players. But someone has come in and gone, nah. Next level time, do you know? And I think the, you, you look at, yeah, the influx of players, but then look at the new training ground. Then look at the stuff in the community. Then look at, um, you know, the, the, like the NHS donation and all this. Then look at the new kits, the sponsors. Everything that's, that's that's coming along is is next level stuff. It really is. Yeah, and just to say, there's a friendly on Saturday
0: uh, against Colin. So that might be an opportunity to see it, um, eleven, and because uh, to see eleven and another eleven at halftime, it, yeah, that's quite yeah. common in, fre- in in friendlies. Probably not eleven for eleven, but the chances of seeing a lot of players on the pitch on Saturday are, are quite
1: high. Well, it has it has been the theme of Jim Gannon's um, preseason, if that's what you want to call it. Um, you know, the the eleven on and eleven off at half time. We have seen wholesale changes, and I, I don't know. I think as we edge towards the season getting closer I would imagine these friendlies were going to see less and less of that I've not spoken to Jim um if I'm completely honest about uh which is which is his preferred 11 which players are going to stay are there any you would imagine some are going to go out on loan at the very least um but you'd have to take a broad assumption that these first half teams are his chosen 11 I mean that would make the most sense. Uh, And he can get a good grasp of how they feel. They can play, you know, 45 minutes together against usually good opposition. To be fair to Colne, you know, they're they're probably not a bad side, but I don't think they'll be fancying the chances against Stockport County. Whereas in recent weeks, teams like Rochdale and and Fleetwood, who are higher up in the pyramid, you know, they're higher level opposition. and County have stepped up and, and matched and they've not got all the wins, but they've got a good win against Salford. So I think it's going to be interesting to see Yes, over the preseason, how these players bed together, but also how many changes he makes. Because as we get closer to the season kicking off in October, you would imagine the changes mid-game will become less and less and we can start to hone in on just exactly what that 11 is going to look like. Because as you touched on a moment ago, mate, there are so many players for only 11 positions. And I don't want to throw the cat amongst the pigeons, Danny Lloyd has just been released by Southampton <clears> by mutual consent. I don't I, listen. I have no zero in, um, insight. I can't imagine it happening. If I'm honest, I think we are so full at the moment with players. But in this day and age, you wouldn't rule it out, would you?
0: No, absolutely. And there's
1: a fella I've heard called Lionel Messi, who's a, who might be available
0: as well. So <laughs> you only have—is it 436 million? You have to pay the Spanish league. To, to get to releases how ma- how many clubs do you reckon you could buy for 436 million never mind players could probably buy the whole of of championship two and the whole of the national league for 436 million championship two <laughs> yeah or whatever it's called league two, <laughs> league Pre- two. Pre- <laughs> Pre- premier league two super <laughs> barclays <laughs> that was scottish whiskey i don't know what what it's
1: called these days? <laughs> no, you, it, it's mate. It's, it's obscene. bonkers. It has, it has the potential. It has the potential to be the footballing story of our lifetime. It really does. I mean, you know, you think back to generations previous. Where that's a little, that's a little bit strong. It's massive. It, you well, know. So
0: who whoever he so either he stay so if he goes to City, you think that's a bigger story
1: than say Leicester winning the league? Yeah, I do. No. listen don't get me wrong Leicester winning the league was great for football and all the rest of it but when you've got the best player I'm going to stick my neck out and say the best player of all time moving for what will almost certainly be over double the record transfer fee ever spent I mean you talk like you said 440 million or whatever it was that'll just be the tip think of all the fees that go on around it you're talking well over 500 million um that is an yeah, I think I'm not saying it's a good news story for football, but is it the biggest? It's it's seismic. It's massive.
0: It's definitely seismic. Um seismic. The right so,
1: word. <laughs> well, well, seismic
0: <laughs> seismic means shaking the ground, you know, like but uh, yeah, it would be it would be ground shaking, it certainly would be. But his dad's his dad's there in Barcelona, isn't he? His dad wants him to stay for another two years, apparently. I've read.
1: You'd rather so. play.
0: Hey, You're Seems frozen. Like
1: every, every day of the week, you would rather play for Barcelona than Man City.
0: Yeah, but you could understand, you know, him wanting just to do something a little bit different. But you could also understand him, you know, they're at rock bottom now, to be the person who drag, drags them up by their bootstraps. Him and Ronald Koeman and Jeannie Wijnaldum. Is that new- what you mean? Wijnaldum? Genie Wijnaldum, i uh, Koeman, I'll tell you one thing, I watch quite a lot of, I don't watch a lot of international football but I've watched Holland quite a lot because obviously Genie plays and Van Dijk plays and stuff like that and Wijnaldum is so good for Holland, you can understand why Koeman loves him he builds a Holland, Holland team around him and you can understand why he wants him and obviously he's a free agent next year so there's a lot of reasons why that could happen Um. And you know Liverpool have had Alisson and, and Van Dyke to deal with in terms of super contracts because they'll they'll they are having their contracts renegotiated at the moment. So that's a lot of money they'll be spending. So if he's if you're Genie Wijnaldum, you're going to be saying, well, why can't I have that money? And you know, if you know if Falcon if country is is in the mix, then you can. See there are a lot of. Pieces that jigsaw that you can see fitting together to make that happen. But imagine
1: being the player that moves to Barcelona to fill the number ten shirt vacated by Lionel Messi. Impossible. Impossible.
0: It's absolutely impossible, and people would have to. People would definitely have to, um, you know, take take that into consideration as the team's being rebuilt. But you know,
1: I tell you what, what, that's that Barcelona fan base is. is a tougher one to deal with than than the lads over the Albert after a uh, a great coffee county. They are brutal over there. They are ruthless. I don't think they... Well, they've got
0: their own they've got their their own daily newspaper, Barcelona. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a different different kettle of fish over there. But let's keep an eye on the biggest story ever to hit football.
1: After Stockport County being taken over by Max Top.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, I think that's been quite an interesting little chatette. Good to see you, mate. That's been
1: Stockport County. Finger guns.